innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it. Make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight. Welcome to another episode of Dirty White Belt Radio, everyone. My name is Jeff Shaw, and we have a really exciting show for you today featuring a family of fighters. Primarily, we wanted to talk to John Shell uh, because he's one of the mainstays of the local scene, super active competitor, and a person who is making his MMA debut this weekend as a part of uh, Next Level Fight Club's newest show in Raleigh, North Carolina. We've always wanted to get John on the program, but when it turned out we had the opportunity to interview him at the same time, time as his daughter Aaliyah, who is herself an active jiu-jitsu competitor, we knew we had to jump at the chance. And the results are a really entertaining and I think insightful uh, set of interviews about what it means to train jiu-jitsu, what it means to challenge yourself in the martial arts, what it means to use the martial arts as a tool to improve your life, and what the role of family plays in jiu-jitsu. You're going to hear a lot about what inspires John, what inspires the two of them as a family training together, and you'll hear about how you can get tickets to watch John and a host of other local fighters on the Next Level Fight Club's uh, newest show in Raleigh, North Carolina this coming weekend, Saturday, January 28th. So I hope you enjoy the interview as much as we enjoyed recording it. Before we get to our featured interview with John and Aaliyah Shell, I want to remind you of a couple of exciting things that are going on. Obviously, the first thing we want to remind you of is the Next Level Fight Club card this January 28th, Saturday in Raleigh, North Carolina. A host of local fighters, Alan Crowder, Cody Malte, mainstays of the local fighting scene, including, of course, our guest John Shell, are going to be on that card. It is nearly sold out, so you're going to want to go to nextlevelfightclub.com and get tickets, or you can get tickets at your local gym, especially if one of your uh, local instructors or training partners is competing. Definitely want to get out and support that event for future cards like this in the future to continue to happen. Another thing we'd love it if you got out and support it is our own seminar. We're making our first Dirty White Belt radio seminar happen, and we couldn't be more excited about the instructor. The instructor is Dominico Oblanicha, who is the best in the world right now, has won double gold at the World Championships twice in a row. That means she's won her weight, she's won absolute, has studied with some of the best, including Fabio Clemente, who she trains with now, and Marcelo Garcia, who she started with, is a terrific instructor, really powerful, powerful advocate for jiu-jitsu, and she will be doing two days of seminars at Elevate MMA on Friday night for women only and on Saturday night, uh, February 18th for everyone, co-ed seminar at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu in Durham, North Carolina. All that information is at dirtywhitebelt.com. You can pre-register at dirtywhitebelt.com slash shop. If you're a woman who trains jiu-jitsu, you can get a package deal for both seminars for a hundred bucks. You're not going to find a better deal than that. So please get out and support that. The other thing we want to mention, Toro Cup, February 11th, the weekend before the Dominica Seminar. It's going to be the biggest Toro Cup yet with more than 20 action-packed jiu-jitsu matches, super fights that we've been waiting to see, David Porter versus CJ Murdoch. Tune into the show next week uh, to hear the entire fight card, and matchmaker John Bagels-Telford will break down that fight card for you. Couldn't be more excited about that. Um, so many great things happening in local jiu-jitsu, and we're just excited to be a part of it. 
So without further ado, we're going to talk to one of the participants in two of those events, John Shell, who has a match at Toro Cup with Andrew Foster. But before that, he makes his MMA debut at Next Level Fight Club. We talked to John and his daughter Aaliyah about a wide array of topics. And without further ado, here's John and Aaliyah Shell. Our featured interview today is brought to you by Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Company. Toro BJJ produces the highest quality gis, rash guards, and grappling supplies for every Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. You can check them out online at torobjj.com. Our thanks to Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for making our featured interview possible. So let's get to it. Welcome to another episode of Dirty White Belt Radio, everyone. We're recording from the center of the known world, Hillsborough, North Carolina, in the WHUP studios. I'm here with the Fighting Shell family, John Shell and Aaliyah Shell, both active competitors in the jiu-jitsu scene. And John, one of the most active competitors, period, has his first official MMA fight this weekend at Next Level Fight Club in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, welcome to the studio, you guys. Thanks, Jeff. Thank Appreciate you. it. Yeah, I'm really excited. I always enjoy watching both of you compete. And I'm really, you know, but frankly, I've seen John compete a ton in jiu-jitsu and haven't seen him compete in MMA. And so I'm particularly excited about this fight. And so I thought we'd, you know, I want to talk to you about your journey in jiu-jitsu, how you started, like your training experience, your competition experience, and your school, Shell Shock BJJ, uh, where John teaches. But I figured we'd start out by talking about this MMA journey. Right. And so um, this is your first official MMA fight, is that right? It is, it is, yeah. And uh, I've been thinking about doing an MMA fight for a while now, but, um, you know, I just hadn't had the opportunity. So uh, I've been training a lot. I've been training up for it. My goal was to try to do one before August of last year. Uh, that didn't happen, so it kind of got pushed back a little bit. So uh, i just been training hard, keeping up with it. Then once I found out I was uh, slated to be on the card, I started uh, – up in my training I didn't cut out any uh, training that I was doing I was still training primarily every day jiu-jitsu kickboxing and uh, I just added three extra sessions of MMA during the week along with those those sessions so um, you know I'm excited for it been looking to do it uh, reason why I wanted to do it was because um, you know I felt like it would uh, uh, make me a better instructor for my uh, my students and I wanted the experience of it so I'm not I'm not too sure if I'm going to continue on that path, but I wanted to at least get one down and see how I what I what I'm going to go, you know, how I'm going to proceed from there. So, so you've been training both kickboxing and jujitsu for a long time. Uh, which one did you get into first? What was your first martial arts passion? It was jujitsu. Um, well, let me let me rephrase that. When I first started uh, the school that I was with, they uh, had an MMA program, and so I didn't do. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, we did MMA jiu-jitsu for about oh, four or five months, and then uh, that school, it was a boxing school, and they decided to close down the MMA section. And so after that time period, I went straight to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Didn't touch any kickboxing or anything like that until until I moved in with uh, Champion Martial Arts and started my school, uh, Shellshot BJJ, there. And then I started training kickboxing again. And we'll talk about your school, uh, Shellshock BJJ and Champion Martial Arts in Fuquay Varina. We'll talk about your, your experience training and teaching in a bit. But I want to make sure that folks have all the information they need in order to get out and support you in this fight. And so this fight is this coming Saturday night right. in Raleigh on Next Level Fight Club. That's right. And, and it, it's going to be, you know, the 28th of January. Uh, doors open at 6. Uh, it starts at 7. Um, it's $35 a ticket. I believe there's still some tickets. Um Last time I checked, you could still get them online. You um, use promo code SHELL. Uh, that way I get credit for those tickets. 
And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time. There's a lot of good people on the card. I got two teammates that are fighting on the card also, Alan Crowder and Mike Waters. Alan Crowder is the number one heavyweight in North Carolina right now. So um, it should be exciting. It should be it should be exciting. It should be a really stacked card. And I've been pretty excited about the way the community has responded to it because, as you say, there, there are pretty few tickets available, and I'm pretty sure right. they're going to sell out. So you're going to want to get tickets soon and use that promo code SHELL to support John. In addition to Alan Crowder, who always puts on entertaining fights, Cody Malte from Elevate MMA is also on the card. Just a bunch of, like, really active and prominent local fighters. And so right, right, yeah. And uh, I've had the opportunity and very fortunate to have all those people around me for this camp um you know cody dewan owens uh cornelius you know everybody at forge trevor hayes he's been he's been one of the guys like you know pushing me to um during those trainings i mean i'm very very fortunate to have all those guys around me robbie adams been working with me leon nelson so i've had a a plethora of, of awesome people around me to help me out with this. Yeah, it sounds, I mean, that that is kind of a who's who. And we've talked about having Robbie on the show along with some other old school guys to talk about the old school fight scene, which I think would be really entertaining. But, like, I take it fight camp's gone well. You're feeling good going into I it. I am, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, this week is going to be, you know, a relaxing week. I'm going to still train, but I'm not going to push myself really, really hard, let my body heal up after, after uh, some hard training the past uh, two and a half months. It's been pretty pretty tough, so uh, let my body heal up. Like I said, I can't do without training, so I'm gonna do some, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really uh, kill myself doing it. Yeah, we talked a little bit about off air about how we were at U.S. Grappling yesterday, the biggest U.S. Grappling uh, in the history of North Carolina, 350 competitors, and it had to be killing you not to compete. Because I was oh, like, yeah. man, because <laughs> I was like, man, if John Shell's not competing, you know, something special's going on. Totally, totally. I, I looked over there at the, all the brown belts sitting on the mat waiting for their division. And, you know, 80%, almost 90% of them I competed against before. And I was like, wow, this is a this is an awesome card. You know, usually you only have two, three, four, maybe uh, brown belts competing. And man, there was like eight, eight tough guys competing yesterday. And it was killing me. I, stand, I stood over there for a while watching these matches. I was like, man, I want to get out there, you know. Yeah, but I mean, I admire your restraint and your responsibility because, yeah, like there were a bunch of tough guys in that brown belt division. Brad Acosta, Jay Ivanovich, DeAndre Corbet, like all these dudes that are really regular and active competitors. But I know you had to you had to be proud that the Shell family flag was still being flown. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, Aaliyah, you had four matches yesterday. Yeah, I fought Amber Abel and I fought the I forgot the other girl's name. Maggie McDowell from Lucas Lepre. They they're very good. I fought in Amber before. She's a really good competitor. Yeah, Amber's a beast. And, like, I, I think that one of the things that I noticed, I was really, you know, you won't say this, but but I will say I refed some of those matches. I was really impressed with your performance, like, going up against, like, adult, not just adult women, but, like, Amber's a beast who wins gold all the time. Maggie's got to be getting pretty close to her purple belt, and both of them are, I think, much bigger than you. And so I was really, I think that just that experience competing, you have to feel like is making you better. Yeah, like definitely. Like that's one of the main reasons I went into adults divisions, even though I'm only 14, is because I knew it would be a good experience for me. And I feel like if you want to know where you are, it's a good way to test yourself is to put yourself in a position where it's not necessarily the people that you would usually fight because they're not necessarily like your level. They're Like I knew they were both better than me. Like I knew that. I just wanted to see where I was on that scale. 
And I think that's a tremendous attitude. And we'll get into like how, the process of like how you get better at jujitsu in a second, talking about your dad's teaching. But like I will say, one of the things that's improved me the most is going up against people that are on that next level. And like one of the things that I think you have to, in order to be a, a successful long-term competitor, is you have to challenge yourself in that way. And so, so let's talk about like how you guys manage training as a family. Like, have has this always been something that you've done together? Um, it. It hasn't been something that has always been in my life, and uh, whenever it, it did become a part of my life, then I tried to get my kids involved in it also. Um, so I started out, you know, I had a couple years of wrestling in high school. I went to the military, and uh, military, the post that I was at didn't have a wrestling club or anything, so I didn't get back into it. I started drinking, started smoking a lot, and uh, just didn't take care of myself. Got out of the military, did that for a number of years. A lot of other things I probably shouldn't have done. Um, but then it came to a point in my life where I was like, you know, I need to, I need to change things. So I decided to start training. I knew that that's what I loved when I was back in high school, and it kept me, kept me active. I was in really good shape, so uh, you know, I wanted to do that. And so I started doing that, and, uh, you know, I just continued on. I spent a lot of hours, you know, when I first started uh, trying to keep myself um, separated from all that. And, um, you know, so I, I trained, like, you know, four hours a night, uh, six days a week, just, you know, trying to um, continue to get better. And then once I started, uh, you know, getting uh, really into it, competing and everything, going to tournaments, Aliyah was fairly young when she first started. Uh, she did a couple here and there. And when she first started, she was uh, really, really small. And she was going against the uh, boys that were significantly larger than her. And, um, you know, a couple first tournaments, she had a, a really, really rough time. And, and <laughs> she, was, she was young, so it was, it was very difficult for her to accept it and to move on beyond it. So, and then, but she kept on. I mean, she has great determination. Uh, she still does. Her work ethic's awesome. And um, so she continued on. Then I had an injury where uh, I had a back surgery. And so I was out of jiu-jitsu for a while. And um, we, we both, at that time period, we both were out of jiu-jitsu. And so once I recovered and, and I started feeling better, um, you know, I got back into it. And I pushed myself even harder after that. I, like, I had to get back to the point where I was before. Mm. And I didn't feel like I was there. And Aaliyah really started amping up her training along with me. That's when I actually, like, whenever I, whenever I was that small, I didn't really take it seriously. It was kind of just like, well, they're going to teach me this. I'm going to have some fun with it. I'm going to compete, get my face bashed, and cry. <laughs> <laughs> and then That's still how I so, feel, by the way. <laughs> whenever we started back up, that was kind of like, to me, that's when I actually started taking jiu-jitsu seriously and actually started taking it as a sport. Right. It was very, very awesome to see her, me not even having to say anything to Aaliyah. She just went, all right, well, are we training tonight? What, you know, what's going on? How come are we, you know, she was really pushing me to get back in the gym and, and to do things along, you know, as far as jiu-jitsu goes. So, you know, that was a inspiration for me to see her, like, wanting to, you know, wanting it instead of um, something that has, like, yeah, we're, I'm dragging you back out to the gym again, you know what I mean? So it was it was good to see that. And and even today, like, she's she's wanting to train all the time. She even, you know, I have uh, shared custody 
And even when she's with her mother, she's like, hey, is there something going on today? You know, uh, are we training? Uh, you know, I need some training for this coming up. So it's, it's really awesome to see, uh, you know, her motivation towards jujitsu. How old were you when you think when that flitch, the switch flipped and you were like, I feel like I'm taking this seriously now? About, I would say like whenever I officially like started actually taking it seriously, I was probably around 11 because that's right around his back started like feeling better and stuff to where mm -hmm. he could train. So probably around 11 and whenever I was like first introduced to it, I was about eight. And so at that time, there wasn't very many girls that were my age that were competing because, you know, jujitsu like starting to get up there now. There's a lot more kids competing, which is great. I love seeing it. And so whenever I was that small, there wasn't really a whole lot of people that were my size. So I was kind of fighting people that were way bigger than me, and there were guys, and I was, like, tiny. So I was kind of freaking out. So, John, you mentioned earlier, like, something that I think is really important about jiu-jitsu being, like, inspiring other healthy lifestyle choices, right? It keeps you active. You don't, you know, if you're training all the time, you don't really have time to make bad life choices, right. which I think is great. And so I'm wondering, like, when you went through that back surgery, how difficult was it for you not to train, and what kind of kept you going while while you were unable away from the mat? Well, uh, funny story. So um, when I found out I had a, I had a bilateral fracture in my L5, so when I found that out, um, I tried to automatically. I was like, "This is going to keep me out of jujitsu. What do I need to do to get back in?" And so I started talking to a couple doctors, and uh, one of the doctors said, "You know, we can't do anything for you. You're just going to have to take medicine." So, um, you know, try to alleviate the pain and then just go on from there. And every time I would go into jujitsu and, and try, you know, to, to continue, um, I would leave jujitsu. And for the next three days, I was hunched over in bed and it, it was just terrible. So I knew that I had to do something in order to continue to train. And so uh, I talked to a couple of different doctors and finally one said that he could go ahead and do surgery. He could do a fusion L5 to S1. And the first question I asked is, can I go back to grappling afterwards? And he said, completely. Once you heal up, mm -hmm. get better, uh, go through physical therapy, you can go back to doing what you did before. And so I said, great. That's, that's a ticket right there. I didn't want to go through surgery, mm -hmm. but if it was going to get me back on the mats and continue, because I was a purple belt at the time, and uh, get me back on the mats and, and continue to train, then that's what I'm going to do. So uh, I did that, and, um, you know, it was rough you know, being out, it was, I had to not go in to, to training. I had to not go to the gym. I had to step back and stay away because if I did, I knew I was going to get back on the mats too, probably too early. And so I actually picked up playing the guitar because I was bored out of my mind since I didn't have anything else to do. Not very good, but you know, I learned it. And so, um, you know, I, I did that during the time that I was, I was, uh, you know, I was out of jujitsu, and then finally, whenever I, I figured out that I was, I was good enough to start rolling, I eased back into it, and man, I felt like a white belt again. It was, it was crazy. Like my mind knew what to do, it's just my body wouldn't do it, and so I had to teach myself, my body again, how to, how to perform the things that I knew how to do, and so it, it was difficult at first, but like I said before, it kind of pushed me. It motivated me and gave me the, a stronger, a stronger state of mind. Like I could, I could uh, push through, because uh, in the beginning, man, the pain was incredible. So I could push through that pain and, and continue to move on. And so, it's uh, it's made me a stronger person because of that.
How long in total were you off the mats from the time you had surgery? It had to have been over a year. It was probably a year, a year, maybe a year and a few months, year and a half, something like that. Mm. But man, whenever I got a chance to come back, I went full force, you know, and I didn't stop. That is true. John is, uh, you know, most people listening to the show are active in the local jiu-jitsu scene and know you're one of the most active jiu-jitsu competitors. And, you know, and again, John is having his first MMA fight this weekend. We'll give you the information about how you can get tickets again at the end of the show. And so you really have made the most of being on the mats. And like you've competed in Toro Cup numerous times. Uh, you've competed at our Concussion Cast Carnival. You competed right. against Brad Acosta, another active brown belt competitor. And so I want to talk to you about this upcoming Toro Cup where you'll compete on February 11th at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu in Durham, North Carolina against Andrew Foster. Right. And so is that even in your mind? Like, because I know you have an MMA fight. And so I'm curious about how your training and your competitive mentality is working right now. Are you completely focused on the fight? And you'll think about the grappling match later? Or, or how do you, how do you think, think about that? I, I can tell you that primarily I'm focused on my MMA fight right now. Um, I can't say that the uh, Toro Cup match hasn't come to my mind because it has. You know, I saw the competition yesterday. I saw Andrew uh, compete. A very good competitor. He's got a lot of slick, uh, slick stuff. And so um, I rode with him one time a, a few years ago at a Jeff Glover seminar and have not rode with him since, haven't competed against him. So it's going to be really exciting. So um, I thought about it a little bit, but I'm trying to stay focused on what's going on this weekend. And then after that, start focusing on more grappling. And um, I believe it's a gi match. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to focus on more gi. I've been doing a lot of no gi, even even training f up for this fight, uh, you know, teaching my classes after class to take off the gi, jits with hits, and, um, you know, with some of my students. So uh, it's been, uh, yeah, I, I'm primarily just focused on this MMA fight now. And then afterwards I'm going to, I'll focus on that. This leads me into a question that I'm really interested in hearing the answer to, which is when you, like ordinarily, when you have a super fight match, you're like, okay, well, I'm competing against this particular individual. And, you know, obviously you know your opponent in MMA. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering, do you prepare specifically for that opponent in each category? Or is there a difference in how you prepare? Like obviously, and, and I want to talk to you specifically about your MMA component in a second, but just generally, do you... I just train to do what you want to do or do you think okay well Andrew is good at this I will I will train this way or my my MMA opponent is good at this I will train this way I don't I don't train I don't tailor my training based on my opponents so I I train the same all the time and then if I know who I'm going against and I know what they like to do I keep that in the back of my head you know so I know what kind of things they're good at and I tried to avoid being in those positions for them to capitalize on it. But I don't, I don't change my training based on that. Mm -hmm. I, I continue to train the way I normally train. But I, I just keep, I keep in the back of my mind what things I know that they like. So your opponent for this MMA fight, uh, what do you know about him? And you, you say you don't tailor your training for him, but I'm, right. I'm just curious about like what you, who your opponent is and what you expect from the fight. Well, my opponent is Quintus Sapp. He's from uh, Charleston Krav Maga and MMA. Um, I know that he's done you know several grappling matches. Uh, he's got his blue belt in jiu-jitsu. Um, I don't know uh, what his striking is like, but I believe he has about 
three plus years of jujitsu wrestling experience. Um, don't like I said, don't know a whole lot about them, but I just been training, training hard. I put a lot of hours in the training with some really, really, really good guys. So I'm excited for this. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go out and do what I, I've been doing in training. So I have a question for Aaliyah, and this is something that, like, I'm, I'm curious as someone who trains and someone who trains with her dad. Like, do you get, is it, do you get nervous thinking about your dad having an MMA fight? Oh, of course. <laughs> like, <laughs> the thought of him getting hit in the face scares the crap out of me. But I, it, it's something he wants to do, and I think it'd be a great experience. Like, if, if I, I know he would support me if I ever decided to do, like, pursue that career, pursue that experience. So if like if it scares the crap out of me, but I'd love to see him do it, and I'd love to see him experience that and have that happen to him, and like just feel what that feels like, because I know he's doing it mainly for the experience. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it scares me, but I, if he wants to do it, it's great. That makes perfect sense to me, and and I'm curious about how that relates to jujitsu, and that like. I get nervous when I watch. I get way more nervous watching my friends and the people that I care about compete than than I get competing myself, right? Right. And so, like, has that gone away for you watching your dad compete in jujitsu? No. You still get nervous <laughs> all the time. Like, it's it's like if I see something that he might not see, like if someone's like locking up something, I'm like screaming it at him, but he's not hearing me, and so I'm over here like freaking out because I know he doesn't see it, but I do. No, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. I just have to go uh, slowly. <laughs> It's go. just like, it's just funny because like, yeah, yeah, it scares me like all the time, even though I'm his daughter and he's like, I'm sure he gets scared whenever I roll all the time. But like, it's, it's just something that happens. Like it doesn't go away. Uh, there's been, there's been several times where I've been competing and like, she's there coaching the crap out of me, like, you know, yelling stuff constantly. And it, it continues to push me too. Cause I hear a voice and she may not think I hear, but I do. I hear her. <laughs> I just have to take it easy. Yeah, most definitely. And I am interested in the flip side of that, right? Like, because you're not just Aaliyah's dad, you are her coach. And so I see you coaching her. And it's obvious that you're focused particularly on the technical advice, like do that, put your hand here, put your foot there and stuff like that. But like, I'm wondering how you balance, because you must be a little, is it different coaching your daughter than it is coaching some of your other students? And if so, how is it different? Well, I've gotten pretty good of, of, of switching it off. And just like she has, like I remember uh, when I first started coaching her and and teaching her, she had question after question, primarily because she was my daughter. Like she was questioning everything I was I was teaching, and I was like, after a while, I was like, you know, come on, <laughs> like I'm trying to teach everybody else. You're the only one that's like, how come we're doing it this way? Why are we doing that? You know. And then finally, I she she that. started <laughs> she started realizing that hey, okay, he's my coach. So she she got really good of making that transition too, coach dad, you know, the coach dad role. So um, it was good to see that. And I I've always been pretty decent at at doing the same thing, you know, as long as we keep it professional. Mm-hmm. I think it works well because uh, when I'm on, I'm on the mat. Yeah, I get a little bit nervous because she's my daughter, and I want I want to see her succeed. I want to see her uh, be successful, uh, just as any of my other students. And I try I try to uh, separate the daughter father thing from the coach student thing. So, uh, you know, I, I've been uh, really working on that and, and and trying to make that transition, just as she has. Mm-hmm. So, so I want to talk to you a little bit more about your teaching and coaching role because one thing that's interesting to me talking to competitors that are active. 
to a certain extent, teaching helps you with getting better over the long term. I believe that. But at the same time, if you have an important fight or a match coming up, the time you spend teaching is not is time that you're not spending focusing on yourself as a competitor. And so how do you balance somebody that's an how how do you balance being an instructor with like, hey, I have this fight coming up. Hey, I have this super fight coming up. So, yeah, I am I, I have to focus on my students whenever I'm teaching them. But I also, you know, at the end of class when we're rolling, um, I do focus on myself too. So uh, especially leading up to big events like this MMA fight coming up. So like I said earlier, you know, after, you know, at the end of class, I'll put on, I'll take the gi off, I'll put on uh, some small gloves and we'll do jits with hits with some of my students, purple belts, blue belts, and I'll work on things. I'll work on uh, my entries, you know, uh, shots off of entry uh, strikes and and counter uh, counter shots off strikes and and a lot of different things. Um, you know, primarily just drilling after drill, and then uh, you know if I'm uh, put myself in bad situations like, you know, he's on top of me inside mount and I've got to escape or otherwise I'm gonna get punched in the face. So uh, I've been working a lot with that, you know, and that's how I've been, uh, you know paying attention to my students as well as uh, getting what I need out of the training too. Mm -hmm. On the topic of learning and teaching, you're an affiliate with Team Hubao Karaoke. Right. And I'm wondering what the most important thing, either the most important thing that you've learned uh, from, from Hubao or, or just the single thing that he said to you that's changed your game or the way that you train or teach. What, yeah. What's the one thing that he's taught you that, that you think is most significant? Well, I've got several. Like he is, then he, list a few. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's been he's been a very very good inspiration to me. Like he's always been there, um, very good friend, very good um, um, instructor. Um, my loyalty resides with him. Um, I wouldn't be where I'm at in jujitsu if it wasn't for him. So uh, I have a lot of respect, a lot of loyalty to him. I, I remember um, uh, every time I've got promoted. Like I've been with him since I was a white belt. So when my blue belt, it came time for him to give me my blue belt. He gave me my blue belt. And I said, man, I don't know. I like, I don't think I'm a blue belt. You know, I, I don't think I deserve this. And he said, John, you will not be a blue belt unless you fight blue belt. And he, <laughs> so I said, okay, okay. And uh, the same thing when I got my purple belt. I said, are you sure? I don't, I don't think I'm ready for this. Maybe I need to stay a blue belt a little bit longer, you know? No, John, you're not, you're not going to be a purple belt unless you fight purple belt. So I continued on from there. When I got my brown belt, I didn't even ask the question. I knew what he was going to say, <laughs> you know. So I just said, you know, I accept it. Thank you so much. I wasn't expecting it. It happened not this past December, a year ago December. And uh, I wasn't expecting it. It was a surprise. And, um, you know, I, I was really shocked to, to be getting it. And I just knew that, man, I got a tough division that I'm going to have to start all over in. And I did. And uh, one of the first guys I, I grappled against was Jay. And, man, he smashed the crap out of me. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I learned a lot from that match. Uh, two times he, he smashed me in that, in that grappling tournament. So I learned a lot from it and, um, you know, just went on from there. And, uh, you know, like I said, he's always been there, been so very supportive. And uh, you know, I I thank him. He tries to he tries to show that our team is more like a family, other rather than you know just we're just students. You know, he treats everybody like a family there, and that's how I try to. Uh, that's the message I try to get across to my students. 
So um, very thankful for him, very thankful for our team. Have you had an experience when you've given a student a belt that mirrors the experience you got when you got your belt? It's like, a, oh, no, no. Yes. And you've been like, oh, now I see what he's. Yes, yes. It's so funny when that happens too, right? Because I find myself, it's kind of like a, uh, a father-son thing. Like, you, you know, the things your parents tell you, you're like, I'll never say that whenever <laughs> I get older. And then you find yourself saying exactly the same things that you used to say, you know, that was told to you before. So, you know, it. yeah, I, I've given people um, their belts, and, you know, I'm, I'm not one to just hand over or recommend to hand over because I, I might physically hand a belt, but Rubens is the one that signs the certificates. He's the ones that... You know, I'm not, I'm not uh, greedy in the fact that I want to say, oh, this is my student. Mm-hmm. I want them to have the lineage that I have. Yeah. You know? So, um, I I uh, I make sure that 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 takes place. Yeah, man, I totally identify with that. I'll be a Seth Champ guy forever, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so yeah. So, let's talk about belts a little bit. You know, like I, I you know, because it seems like Rubens' idea as as an instructor is like, I got to challenge my student in that like, hey, you know, you never get to this level if you don't fight the guys that are on this level. Guys like Jay Ivanovich, who we got to get into the studio sometime. A beastly brown belt, a lot of smart things to say. He smashed me too. (laughs) Uh, But like, so I'm curious what you think about the role of belts in jiu-jitsu is as a, are they primarily like a tool to motivate people? Are they, you know, a marker of progress? Like what do, what do belts mean to you? And after your dad gets done, I'd be interested in your answer too, Aaliyah. Well, I hear some, some people talk about, you know, uh, I, there's other people in, in this school or that school that got belts and I'm better than them and this and that degrees. They got three, I got one, blah, blah, blah. I tell them all the time. You will never free yourself unless you just don't worry about that. Like, you're always a slave to belt color, to degrees, unless you just say, forget it. Get on the mats and train hard, and then just continue to progress. Like, and and until that happens, you will never be free. Like, um, I don't worry about what color my belt is or what degree I have or anything. I just, I want to get better. You know, I don't. What's gonna happen when you put nogi on? Do you have a belt on nogi? Or are you gonna are you gonna be in the advanced division? You know, I mean, what what's gonna happen? Like, it doesn't matter what color your belt is. Not to me. I wanna I wanna get better. And so, when people have issues with, you know, certain things like that going on, different schools and, you know, political stuff here and there, I say don't worry about it. You know, just train. You you will have no choice but to get better. Time on the mats is the secret. That's it. I mean, I certainly agree with that. And one of the things, I, like, and I love the freeing yourself from the tyranny of the belt right. idea. And and one of the things that I always tell folks when they're upset if they didn't get promoted, if they didn't get a, a degree, a stripe, or if they didn't get a you know a belt. So I'm like, well, are you, you going to be on the mats tomorrow, whether you get one or not? And they're always like, yeah. I'm like, I was like, then so what? You know? Exactly. Yeah. So, so what do you, what do you think, Aliyah? Some of the perspective. I could honestly care less, like, what color my belt is. Like, I do not, I don't, I don't care if I have a belt. I don't care if I don't have a belt. I don't care if I get a stripe. I don't care if I get a new colored belt. It's just more about the fact that I'm happy to be where I am, and I'm happy with my progression. If I know I'm progressing and I know that I'm happy with where I am, then I don't really, I I don't care what color my belt is. And plus, other people have different colored belts than me, but I can still fight them and win, or they can fight me and I could lose. 
and belts sometimes make people overestimate or underestimate people like mm-hmm. if i'm fighting someone who's a blue belt and i'm over here being an orange belt like it's all like it'll kind of get up in my head a little bit like oh they're a blue belt they're gonna beat my butt like i'm screwed but that's not a good mindset to have because then it's stuck in your head that you're gonna lose and you just need to push through it and realize that they could they just have to make one mistake in order for you to get up to where they are and catch them in something so almost everybody in jiu-jitsu has a story about the new guy that maybe doesn't have the best attitude and one of the things i love about jiu-jitsu is size strength you know gender these are things that don't really matter all that much if you know your stuff and i understand you guys might have a story about about a situation <laughs> right. of that nature right yeah i had this guy uh i've known this guy for a little while uh he was actually a bartender um at um one of the one of the taverns in fuquay and uh, he had some issues with some people coming into the bar, starting fights and stuff like that. And he had a concealed carry, so he was pretty, uh, he was pretty secure with protecting himself against, um, you know, force. But he said that he was concerned with if they didn't have any, any lethal force, he couldn't use his. So he wanted to learn some, you know, self-defense stuff and, and to get into some jujitsu. So I said, hey, come, you know, come down. Uh, take some classes and and you know I'll teach you some stuff and it'll it'll prepare you for it you know so he came in and it was a no gi night you know he didn't have a gi or anything <laughs> and uh so I taught him a few things uh showed him a few techniques how you know standard stuff and uh real basic things and uh, I afterwards I rolled with him and I rolled around with him and he was uh, about 200 pounds athletic you know, young guy, so I knew he was going to be fairly strong. And I, I did that for one reason. I did that to see if I could put him with Aaliyah. So after I felt him out and felt, you know, how he was, I was like, oh, yeah. I said, <laughs> and after we were done rolling, I said, hey, how about you go roll with her over there? And he said, really? You want me to roll with her? And I said, yeah, yeah, you, she'll be fine, I promise you. And so uh, they went and rolled. And, uh, you know, I look over and she's submitting them here, submitting them there. And he's just like kind of kind of dumbfounded about it. Aaliyah, was, what, did you, what, what did you get him with? And what are your memories of this role? Um, I just I, I think uh, I think that was the one person who came in and I think I submitted him like five times. I was just really confused because like I thought they'd trained before, but they hadn't. And so we rolled. And I submitted him a couple times, and he was kind of confused. And I was like, it's okay. Like, I've been training way longer than you, obviously. It's fine. Like, it's all good. And he was like, how old are you? And I'm like, I'm 14. And he was, like, just extremely confused. It was really funny. So when, when, he, uh, when he was done, he was getting ready to leave. And uh, I said, so um, you're going to be back, right? He said, oh, yeah. I said, because, you know, that's a 14-year-old girl. You know, if if these guys, these grown men are coming into your bar, you want to be prepared, you know. And so he was like, oh, yes, definitely, definitely. <laughs> so I think it was a, it was a more of a humbling experience. And, uh, you know, he, he's had some issues come up and, and stuff where he's he hasn't been able to make it in for one reason or another. But, you know, as well as I do, that when you get humbled like that, it's hard to it's hard to face that again. So I'm not sure. 
you know, which way. This, this is one of the things I love about jujitsu is, and it's why jujitsu gyms are filled with awesome people because there's two ways, there's one or two ways it goes, right? Either you can't deal with that and you never come back or you humble yourself and you're like, obviously there are things that I have to learn even from a 14 year old girl who is maybe a hundred pounds lighter than me or however much. Exactly. Exactly. And that's one of the things that's beautiful about jujitsu and martial arts generally is the mats tell the truth, man. You know, you doesn't matter what color your belt is. I was actually talking with Trevor Hayes, who you mentioned that you know Muay Thai coach at uh, you know and uh, and our our, our co host here. Um, and Trevor's technically a white belt, right? But Trevor's also been training a long time and has has a strong wrestling background. And we were we were talking about this at the U.S. Grappling Tournament and about how you know every so often if Jason Colbreth or or Drew Colbreth thinks somebody's getting too big for their britches, they're like, why don't you go roll with the Muay Thai coach? He's just a white belt. <laughs> and, I've heard I've heard those stories too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So in in, the, in about the five minutes we have left, I'm going to ask. Uh, uh, so is there anything that I haven't asked about that either of you really wishes I would ask about? We'll get back to talking to the, about the fight at the end. Can we talk about the podium system at U.S. Grappling? Let's talk about the podium system <laughs> at U.S. Grappling. It seems you have thoughts. It's I like that system a lot. I think it's a great idea what they did with it. I really, like, I'm a fan of that system. I like what they did with it. I like how they have to come up and actually get an experience out of the whole podium system like they do at Naga, kind of. Um, it's a... Uh, it's a lot of work for the person running the podium. You kind of have to, like, run in circles and pick up sheets and stuff, which is okay. Like, it's fine. But I like I like how they gave this, the people getting the medals the experience of standing up on the podium and taking the picture, and they can have their family gather out on the podium and take pictures, and teams can come up there and take pictures. Like, I like... I like how it's an experience for them to have whenever they get their medals. Yeah, I agree with that. And like, for, and we, we used to just give the, the medals on the mat, right? Yeah. And speaking as a ref, like one less thing for me to think about as a ref, and I definitely appreciate our hardworking podium staff. Well, uh, and, and not only that, I think it's good because now you can continue on with the matches and you don't have to take time out to do the medals there on the mats. That can be going on at the same time as all the, the, the matches are going on. So it, it it does make it more efficient. Mm -hmm. So most definitely, most definitely. Well, how about you, John? Is there a question that I haven't asked that you really wish I would have asked so far? No, I I think we covered a lot of uh a lot of like our journey through jujitsu and and uh, my school. I just wanted to just plug in that you know my school is Shellshot BJJ. Um, I'm currently teaching at uh, Champion Martial Arts in Fuquay, North Carolina, and um. You know, I've been very fortunate. Uh, Leon Nelson is the owner of uh, Champion Martial Arts, and he's let me come in there and uh, and teach my jiu-jitsu there. And also has been helping me along the way with, you know, this MMA fight and getting my striking uh, where it needs to be. So, uh, you know, I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, um, also also want to say that, you know, plug in for my fight coming up again, uh, nextlevelfightclub.com. Uh, this is going to be my uh, debut uh, MMA fight, and uh, I'm looking. I've been looking to do this for a long time, and uh, finally get the opportunity to do it. So I appreciate you know all the support that I've had. Everybody that I haven't mentioned, sorry about that. There's just too many people that have been supporting me through this uh, through this journey. So I appreciate it. And um, you know, if you go online, there's still tickets. Use promo code Shell S C H E L L, not S H E L L. 
Yeah. Although hopefully they'd be able to figure it out. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, you know, just wanted to plug that in there, Jeff. Thanks a lot. You know, we've competed before. I appreciate, you know, all your support too. And uh, it's good to see you competing also. It's been, I know it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been way too long. And, like, yeah, some of my favorite matches of all time, wins and losses, have <laughs> been against John. Because, like, no matter what, like, and this is why you keep getting booked, honestly, on on super fight cards is like no matter what the outcome of the match n i've never seen a boring john shell match i've never seen a john shell match that wasn't fun for the participant and for the competitor even though it's not fun having your face smashed but at any rate um I, so i've I, i've had a blast having you on we will post all the information you just heard john give the information for how you can get get tickets we'll post that information on the facebook page which is facebook.com slash dirty white belt um Aaliyah, do you have any shout outs before we get out of here anybody that's helped you in your journey other than the obvious gentleman sitting to your left <laughs> that you want to say thanks to i want to shout out shania sestro and diego riva and everyone else at my gym that has helped me so far and let me just say also, I've, I refed a bunch of Shania's matches yesterday, and Shania fought like a beast, particularly. She always does. But dude, like she beat, she beat uh, like a, you know, I'm, I'm not going to talk about her or talk at her opponent, but like she had one particular match against a grown woman that was real good that Shania just kept fighting and fighting and she ended up winning. Stop. Yeah, no, super impressed. So like obviously you guys are doing a ton of things right at Shellshock BJJ, which is located in Champions Martial Arts in Fuquay Varina. Um, producing a great jujitsu athletes, and I just want to thank both of you again for coming into the studio. Appreciate yep. you, Jeff. Thanks thank a you. lot, man. I want to talk to you guys about Cageside Fight Company for a second. I've been buying from Cageside for more than six years, and about 99% of the gear that I use is from Cageside. That's not because other companies don't make good stuff, they do, it's just that Cageside offers the highest quality products at the best value and, no joke, the best customer service I've ever experienced in my life. So whether you're looking for shin pads, whether you're looking for Thai gear, whether you're looking for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu gis or Valetudo shorts, whether you're looking for the coolest t-shirts around, check out Cageside.com or come into their fight shop at one. 24 Lotta Road, right in Durham, North Carolina. You won't be sorry. Another thing I want to mention about Cageside is they do more to support local fighters and local Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competitors than just about anybody else. And so we've got to support the people that support us. Check out Cageside Fight Company, 124 Lotta Road in Durham, North Carolina, or online at cageside.com. So that's our show for today. This has been Dirty White Belt Radio. My name is Jeff Shaw. If you want more information on anything we talked about, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash dirtywhitebeltradio, where we will post a link to where you can get tickets for John's fight. You can also go to dirtywhitebelt.com and learn all about our upcoming seminars with Dominika Oblanicha, as well as other upcoming events on our martial arts calendar. My name is Jeff Shaw. This is Dirty White Belt Radio, and thank you again for listening. We'll see you again next Sunday.